Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. This is Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans with me, Cheryl Burke, and iHeartRadio Podcast. Welcome to the rewatch series of Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. I am your host, Cheryl Burke. In case you didn't know, we are only one week away from the finale of season one, believe it or not. I can't believe it. Today's rewatch episode will focus on the semifinals of season one, which is technically episode five. That's it. Let me quickly remind my listeners that in last week's episode, unfortunately, Rachel Hunter and Jonathan Roberts went home, not because of her dancing skills, which she consistently was praised on, by the way, but because they didn't get enough votes, sadly. This happens way too much. John O'Hurley and Charlotta Jorgensen were in the bottom two, which was also a shock. They were able, though, to stay clear from elimination because of their strong fan base, obviously, and we'll see, though, if... They will be saved once again heading into the finals. Let me quickly refresh your memory on who were the three semifinalists of season one. We've got Kelly Monaco and Alec Mazzo, who basically struggled up until last week. I mean, they received their highest scores of the season. Of course, the infamous and what I believe put Dancing with the Stars on the map, the very first wardrobe malfunction ever in the history of Dancing with the Stars started season one, week four, episode four. So it went down in history, that's for sure. And I have to say, it gave Kelly that ammunition that she needed, I think, to continue on in the competition. But they were able to actually pull off a proper samba and do it well in comparison to the others, which made her a definite contender and the couple to watch. Next, there's Joey McIntyre and Ashley Del Grosso, who started the competition off strong and has unfortunately slowly lost their momentum as weeks progress, which has caused a little bit of friction or a lot of it during their rehearsal. So hopefully Joey can let Ashley do her job this week and be the teacher. Last but certainly not least, we've got the last semifinalists of season one. John O'Hurley and Charlotta Jorgensen, was, they were definitely the one to watch, I would say, from day one. But in Tom Bergeron's words, have they peaked too soon? Dun, dun, dun. 
Well, you've come to the right podcast to find out. For this round, the three couples had two dances to perform, which was the Foxtrot, which is normally one of the first dances danced in the beginning of the season, as it is one of the easiest ones to perform. And with it being an American smooth style Foxtrot, there isn't as much restriction, per se, in comparison to having to dance like an international standard style Foxtrot. The second dance the semifinalists had to perform is considered one of the five Latin American dances, which was the Pasa Doble, which is considered in the ballroom dancing genre to be the man's dance and is one of the most passionate, fiery, and exciting dances that really showcases the man in the partnership and should include intricate footwork, shaping, and moments of flamenco. Before we get started, I have to say that I'm a fan of when all of the couples are dancing the same dances, as it's easier to compare. As well as showcasing the how-tos in the beginning, it helps to introduce the different styles of dancing that you will see in the competition. And it's so much just easier to see who is actually, as far as skill goes, the stronger couple, right? So on that note, let's get this party started. We have got couple number one, John O'Hurley and his partner, Charlotta Jorgensen, dancing a foxtrot, as you will see everyone will do for round one. Last week's performance when they danced to Samba, it was, in my opinion, one of their worst dances and by far was underwhelming as there was just so many mistakes. And on top of it, the choreography itself just didn't showcase the content that I actually expected to see from that couple, especially after they performed a few dances prior to last week while showcasing amazing quality basic movement in the earlier rounds. Foxtrot is one of Charlotta's strengths as far as her knowledge and expertise goes when it comes to her ballroom career. So I'm hopeful that they will definitely redeem themselves in this round. Now let's see how their rehearsal went for the Foxtrot. So at the start of their package, John O'Hurley expressed concern having to learn two full dances and two completely different styles of ballroom dancing, and then basically said that he had to hold up his end of the stick as he was dancing with one of the greats, which he then said it would be like playing basketball with Michael Jordan, which is actually spot on. John said in his master interview that the Foxtrot was Charlotta's favorite dance and goes on to say that this style is what made her a world champion. So understandably, John felt a lot of pressure that week to make his teacher proud and to live up to her expectations of him. What's interesting is that even before they danced their Foxtrot in the same exact package, they showed them rehearsing for the Pasa Doble prior to them even dancing their Foxtrot, which is so confusing. You know, nowadays I'm glad that they don't do that anymore because that format is kind of odd to me. And I'm sure to the viewers at home because you're really only remembering what you're seeing in front of you right what's unfolding in front of you and if you already jump from like foxtrot package to pasta doble package by the time they dance the pasta doble you're like what were they struggling with at rehearsal that's what i noticed at least anyway um look as far as their training package goes for their paso Charlotta explained to John that you are in charge of this dance and that you are constantly brave to where John called himself Fernando and said that he was doing the foxtrot for Charlotta, but that he was doing the Paso Doble for himself. Cut to seeing him mess about, which was actually refreshing to see that he was having a little more fun than last week. You know, he was really getting into the character of the Paso Doble as well as seeing him, you know, use a cape, which I always love having my partners do because it actually helps when creating shape. And having them understand, you know, what it feels like to be in a certain shape for the Paso Doble. It's important, you know, to create that shaping and that spacing between the elbow and the rib cage when dancing um, this dance. And then you see a, basically a few mistakes. You see John O'Hurley trip on his cape 
act and almost take uh, Charlotta down. And it just looks like they were both definitely stressed, but also having fun and excited to get into the character of the dance. Um, Look, I think he really needs to step it up. He was in the bottom two last week. It's important that there's no dilly-dallying as far as choreography goes and that hopefully they just stick to content because that's what they do best in. You know, you only do the dilly-dallying when your partner isn't good. Okay, to be real. Like if, for example, whenever there's a comedian on, this is why Adam Carolla came out on a unicycle, for God's sakes. His dancing skill wasn't going to get him there. That's why Bobby Bones did what he did, as you guys heard in my interview with him, you know, so you don't. But with John O'Hurley, you don't need to do that anyway. Um, then John slides into camera. And um, to be honest, looking at their rehearsal package, it looks like he'll have definitely both dances down as far as character goes. But let's see if he's able to technically own the dance from his movement and not just choreography in his face. Like he tried to overcompensate with last week using way too much facial expressions when it came to his Samba the previous week. He ends his package by saying if he doesn't make the final, he's going to be really disappointed and that he thought both dances were pretty strong heading into the finals. But I'll be the judge of that, I guess. (laughs) All right. I have to say John and Charlotta's Foxtrot was pretty (laughs) spectacularly done with such quality technique and grace. They did mainly an international standard Foxtrot, which is what Charlotta specifically specializes in as far as the American smooth versus international standard. But she is a world champion of the international standard style. But holy crap, you definitely don't see this nowadays when it comes to quality of movement. Obviously, Charlotta is a champion. So that is to be expected. But in just a short amount of time, these two, you know, only had a few hours a day to rehearse two dances. And that's very impressive the way that they executed the foxtrot. He was gliding across the floor. There were no missteps. His frame was perfect. I mean, he looked so confident. He looked the part that you need. He looked like Fred Astaire out there, to be quite honest. And, um, you know, look, could it have been better? Yeah, I'm sure. Maybe his his frame could have been a little bit more consistent. Um, so I take back what I said when I said that his frame was perfect. It wasn't quite perfect, but it was strong. This is something that you only see after years of training, you guys. And you can really see the difference when it comes to confidence, even in Charlotta. You know, obviously in comparison to last week when they danced their samba. I am in awe of what they delivered really, as far as quality of movement goes and how they executed this in just such a short amount of time. This has to be one of the most technically sound foxtrots ever to have been performed by a celebrity and their pro partner ever on Dancing with the Stars, period, point blank. You guys have to check it out. Maybe not as entertainment or pizzazz goes, but again, the technique was out of this world. I wouldn't have been able to teach that even if I had been (laughs) one of the best dancers as I'm not an expert in that style, you know, and that just takes, that's an expert right there teaching how to dance. I mean, she must, it's not a magician. People are like, how do you do it? Look, if you specialize in the style that you're teaching, it always helps. I mean, the smoothness that they had was, is really hard to come by, especially when not being trained in ballroom ever before, as far as John goes. And the ease and effortlessness that they executed together as a couple was pretty impressive. I mean, it was pure joy to watch them. I had to watch it a few times and 
I even watched it to try to nitpick. But to be honest, other than John John's head position while he was in frame, he shouldn't be looking at Charlotta with his eyes. He should have looked towards the left of him. But honestly, other than that, I can't say much. I give Charlotta and John a nine. The judges' comments, Len Goodman said, It was unbelievable. Basic start that was true foxtrot. You had elegance. You glided across the floor. It was truly two people dancing as one great job. Carrie Ann said, Last week, you had a rough week. But this week, you brought it all back. I think your turns, your footwork, everything was amazing. This is my favorite dance to watch so far. Bruno said, Well, John, ballroom becomes you. It was sophisticated elegance. Your footwork was superb and you told a story. I like that your dance had content. There was a lot of relationship between the two of you and you sold it beautifully. The judges scored them 9-9-9. Overall score, 27 out of 30. Wow, they really were being shady with the tens. They hadn't. So this is the semifinals, you guys. Not one ten has been given out, and I actually like this. You know, a ten is earned, like big time. Like you better be perfect to hold up a ten paddle to be able to get that ten paddle at least. Like you cannot. There's no missteps. Nothing. It has to go pretty much from top, middle, bottom. Everything has to be perfectly aligned for you to get a ten. And I feel like nowadays they just throw tens out there like it's candy coming out of a piñata. Okay, couple number two. Kelly Monaco and Alec Mazzo danced a foxtrot, of course, as everyone does for round one. Obviously, they recap the infamous wardrobe malfunction on Kelly and even play it in slow motion and even add a graphic. <laughs> Pretty high tech, I would say, especially coming from 2005. I'm just learning how to do that now. So good on them. Anyway, Basically, you can tell that Kelly is in it to win it, as always, but this time so much so that she brought her pro partner, Alec Mazzo, to the set of General Hospital just so they can rehearse any minute that they had the chance to since they have two full dances, but she seemed ready to go. However, you can only do so much in a span of 24 hours, which also include at least a few hours of sleep. Um, no sleep is obviously not an option, especially when your schedule is as rigorous and you're doing something you don't know you don't know what you're doing, right? And physically demanding as well. They cut to shots of them in a room with not a lot of furniture as Kelly and Alec rehearse in between Kelly's scenes that she was shooting on set that day. And basically, Kelly would be called from the loudspeaker. I'm pretty sure this was maybe a setup, but who knows? I'm sure this is how it's done, though. And called her name and said that she was needed on set. Then it cuts to Alec basically admiring Kelly's work ethic and says he does not know how she does it all. And, you know, she had to memorize the routine whatever challenge it was in this case routines two routines plus her script like i'll never forget when kelly and i used to hang out like on a sunday she would open her front door and there would be packets like thick packets of scripts for her you know call time which would be the next day and for her scene it's crazy this woman can definitely memorize that's for sure it then cuts to Kelly in the makeup chair and hair chair at the general hospital set where she showed the viewers her script. And then what she did was she flipped the script, no pun intended, where you saw her dance routines nicely written down. What a great student. I mean, honestly, this is exactly what I used to make my non-athletic partners. And I let me repeat, non-athletic partners, because you don't have to tell athletes to rehearse. They already do that. That's how they were coached and trained whenever they were playing whatever sport that they're playing. But I am super impressed, though not shocked, at Kelly's work ethic, only because, you know, we're friends and I and I know her. But if I didn't know her like I do, then this would be shocking. You don't normally see that. 
You know, then it cuts to Kelly in her package being the delirious girl. <laughs> I know after being overworked, she was at rehearsal. You know, they were at a proper dance studio and she just randomly just went crazy a little bit and saying, but crazy in a good way and saying that basically she started her day at 5 a.m. She's still going strong at 6 p.m. but has a funny approach and she has a great attitude and still obviously showed up for the job. And in one of her interviews, Kelly said that it's Saturday and I haven't even seen a foxtrot in my life. Whoa. They really, oh, they must have not rehearsed at all the first few days. Okay. And I haven't even seen a foxtrot in my life. And we are dancing live on Wednesday. So um, as, you know, understandably, she is very stressed out about her foxtrot. And you can tell hopefully Alec, you know, is also stressed. But hopefully he did his homework and choreographed her foxtrot without her being in the studio. So that when she had time, you know, to rehearse, he was ready just to teach her her steps from beginning, middle and end. Instead of, you know, in previous weeks... When he choreographed, I think it was the jive in front of her. She was just sitting there and staring at him and then freaking out. So hopefully he used his downtime to prep. I can never walk into a studio if I'm not prepped. Like, I mean, prepped. Like, I mean, my solid, my routine is solid unless it has to change because my partner, let's say, doesn't feel comfortable with something. That's fine. Or if I don't like what it, what I thought it would look like as far as the specific movement goes, but uh, yeah, I always prep. I don't care how tired I am. I always used to prep right after the live show on Mondays, went straight to a dance studio on my dime and freaking prepped because there's nothing like not prepping and feeling so behind. It makes me, it still gives me so much anxiety just thinking about it because I've done it. I've done it once like that. And holy hell, did I learn a lesson? Okay. So basically, um, you know, you see them trying a step and you know personally knowing kelly i know she actually has issues with her hips like it's been she's has bad hips and um you could tell that when alec had one of her legs up in the air and he was trying this move with her it was bothering her um she never mentioned it specifically but you know they were taking a break and alec was sitting basically behind her when they were rehearsing at um, the Dancing with the Stars studios, not this dance, not the rehearsal studios, but back in the day, you can rehearse on the live stage. Anyway, uh, Alec was sitting behind her when you know she was like, when he was like, "We have to stop because you're going to injure yourself." And Kelly refused to stop and said, "I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the job done." Being the stubborn, amazing, and hard work working woman that I know her to be for sure, she definitely is a fighter. You know, cut to them rehearsing and her hitting a wall and seeing a little bit of frustration and rehearsing up till the last, very last second, as she said in her package that they only had five hours until the live show. Wow. Which I am just, you know, not so sure how that worked because normally during live shows for women, especially our call times are at 6 a.m. But maybe they allowed Kelly to do this, maybe because she was super behind and allowed for an early rehearsal in the morning at a dance studio, considering, you know, her general hospital schedule, which sometimes they will allow. She probably missed like a solid three days or four days. And at the end of the day, we all want a great show. So whatever it takes, right? And Kelly doesn't like a lot of makeup anyway, to be quite, quite honest, nor does she really care about like her, the aesthetic as much as she wants to just feel good and confident from the inside out, which is why I love her. She can honestly care less about <laughs> gluing eyelashes on her face. She probably prefers no lashes, to be quite honest, or tan. You know, she's the most beautiful, natural woman I've ever met. And um, cut to Kelly's last moment on camera saying, it's the eye of the tiger, baby. I'm assuming she was referring to the Pasa Doble. <laughs> 
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Okay, now let's get to their foxtrot. Let me just say how gorgeous Kelly looked at the top of her foxtrot routine. I mean, where she had her hair, she had her hair all the way up, which is very unusual and out of her face. I really loved seeing as, you know, for me, it was a great change from her hair being like styled down, which I know she prefers. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just have to get into the character of the dance. And especially with two dances, you've got one style versus like a Latin style. You want to see a difference in the ver- like how versatile these couples are. So I thought that was a great um, choice as far as glam goes. So shout out to glam. I always thought that like when our hair would be down, now I know what they say to me when they're like, your hair's in your face, hence why I had short hair. But yeah, it is distracting. You want to see these people's faces. 
I mean, what a gorgeous gown Kelly had made for her, which was like a two-piece with a broad top embodied and embedded and fully covered in Swarovski crystals with long silk lavender gloves that went all the way up to her biceps, basically, and a matching high-waisted fitted silk lavender skirt or a ballroom skirt. You know, this was such a beautiful and pretty color. And it was a proper foxtrot dress with just tons of rhinestones. You can tell that the wardrobe department back then had more of a budget to play around with during the semifinals of season one, which is actually normal to this day. You know, if you notice from week one until the last couple of weeks of any season, you know, you see us with maybe a little bit of bling. And then towards the end, you're like, whoa, she's a walking Swarovski crystal. I mean, you could tell that the wardrobe department just has more time to work individually on each costume by noticing like the amounts of bling, really. So you should take a look next season. Anyway, shout out to the wardrobe team, by the way. They literally glue one by one by one Swarovski crystal until God knows how long they do that for. I wish that, you know, they'd show more of what goes on behind the scenes so you could all see how hard everybody works because in every department you know everyone works so hard on this show from like the wardrobe team to every single part of like the sound the set i've always said that they're the hardest working people in showbiz and i still believe it okay so back to the actual dance kelly and alex foxtrot was definitely not as good as john o'hurley's to be quite honest which is why i like when everyone's doing the same dance as i had mentioned earlier because you can actually compare the couples to one another versus a couple doing a waltz or another and another couple doing a cha-cha like how the heck can you compare the two you can't so as far as the format for season one goes this is as close as you're going to get if you want to compare it to an actual ballroom competition if you've never been to one In an actual ballroom dance competition, you basically have like eight to 10 couples on the floor all together and they dance the same style of dance, whether that be a waltz, foxtrot, whatever, but they don't know their song either. It's just the BPM is the same. So if it's a cha-cha, there's a cha-cha beat, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, back to Kelly and Alex Foxtrot. I honestly felt that choreographically it was a little off at points, especially when it came to the transitions. You know, the routine didn't flow from one step to the next. Instead, it did the opposite, I felt. The transitions, for example, Kelly extended her leg into Alex's hand and then he grabbed it and they went into a one-legged rotation. However, right before he grabbed the leg... That is called the transition step, which is what I mean by transition steps, because you guys always hear me say that. It's always the step before the next segment of steps. (laughs) How many times can I say steps? Like, or before a trick or before a memorable moment. Just this foxtrot routine I felt lacked fluidity. If you were to connect like the dots, for example, it basically did not connect for me. So there was nothing that flowed easily into one step to the next step. It's like randomly, you know, they would do a feather finish or feather step and then her leg would just go up in the air and then Alec would just randomly rotate her around one leg. You know, for example, when you saw John and Charlotta do their foxtrot, everything flowed from one step to the next. It was beautifully designed and choreographed. And again, you have a pro, an expert like Charlotta who does this and whose specialty is this style of dance versus Alec who specializes more in the Latin genre. But I'm pretty sure that Alec and Kelly's Pasa Doble is going to be killer. No pun intended again. I could tell at the end of their dance, though, Kelly's body language, she just didn't love it. She didn't love the foxtrot. It's not so much her performance, but you could tell that this was like a snooze in comparison to her uh, second dance that you're going to see here in a second. I have to say that um, that was definitely, though, Alec and Kelly's best ballroom dance to date, meaning like the more classical style of ballroom dances, like the foxtrot 
like what they just did, the Foxtrot, Waltz, etc. Um, her Latin, like the Latin genre is definitely more her style, but I have to say her Foxtrot wasn't as bad as she must have thought it was. When she was in frame, you know, or closed hold and was doing like the steps that are in the technique book, for example, I wish Alec would have put that in more because it actually wasn't bad at all. I've always said it's always harder to dance slow, slower than faster because you can see any little mishap when dancing slow. Anyway, all in all, I think that it could have been mapped out a lot better. And I think if the choreography was a little less choppy, I think she would have executed it beautifully. But with whatever she was given, Kelly still gave it her all and did an amazing job considering her busy schedule that week. I give Kelly and Alec an eight. Okay, let's move on to judges' comments. Bruno said, what a competitor you've proven to be because I never would have thought at week one that you would be here right now at the semifinals performing a foxtrot, which is the most difficult dance to really master. I don't agree. You did very, very well, but technically there were a few mishaps on the footwork, but it's very, very difficult and you've done well. Len Goodman said to Kelly, as I told you last week, certain dances suit certain people and you're a Latin dancer, really. With that Latin music, you really go out there and perform. When it comes to being elegant and gliding across the floor not quite as good but terrific effort well done Kariana Nava said I disagree with Len actually I thought you've come so far from that first waltz each time I'd see you you'd be so stiff but now you're enjoying the dance and the posture is coming naturally for you and I thought you really have come so far and you've done a great job do you guys notice that the judges end up being like no matter what season it is more encouraging during the semifinal round I feel like they give us that boost of encouragement which is really nice actually to take back with us if you make it to the next round but leading up to that especially during season one, the judges weren't exactly encouraging. But again, it's a TV show, especially, you know, it's season one and they wanted to most likely get a pickup. And in order for that to happen, to move on to season two, you need to make some entertaining content for people to talk about and to generate more press or buzz. As unfortunately, the only thing that does that is controversy, especially when it comes to reality shows or variety shows. So, you know, still to this day, it's pretty much like that. Um, especially on TV, even social media, notice like you just get like dance moms, like stuff like that, that may not be socially, uh, I don't know, whatever. I'm not going to continue on with that. Let's get back to what I'm here for. In the red room, Lisa and Alec, um, Lisa basically asked Kelly three days ago, you said you had never seen a foxtrot. How do you think you did? Kelly responded and she said, you know, I did the best that I could with what I got. And Alec has set and Alec has done such a great job with working with me, especially with my busy schedule. And, you know, at this point in the competition, my goal is to become graceful. As I agree with Lenny, I love that she called Len Lenny. Um, I've come a long way since the tree stump. <laughs> the judges gave Kelly and Alec 877, which gives them or gave them a total of 22 out of 30. Kelly got an 877. So, so far on the leaderboard, we've got John O'Hurley and Charlotta in first place and second place, Kelly and Alec. Moving on to couple number three for round one, the last couple in the semifinals for round one, the final foxtrot of the evening, Joey McIntyre and his partner, Ashley Del Grosso. So the package starts with a little recap of Joey and Ashley's performance where you hear Tom say they struggled to impress the judges with their samba to where you hear Joey say that Len was disappointed in me while I was disappointed in Len. Then Joey goes on and says, I feel like I step up every single week and I guess I'm just going to have to step up again. Cut to Ashley and in teacher mode, thank God, having Joey dance his foxtrot 
alone by himself. Ashley is basically counting and becomes a little more strict than what I've seen her, especially in their past rehearsal packages, which is actually refreshing to see as Joey definitely, definitely seen here as the student. So, you know, he should have been all along a student. Never should they have ever role reverse like that. Anyway, cut to Ashley saying this week, it's time to get tough. Joey and I are friends, but as of now, there's no time to be a friend. It's time to be a teacher. Get it, girl. That's exactly the attitude that, you know, I have been personally looking for when when it comes to Ashley. I mean, you can tell that her confidence is back because at the end of the day, Joey is the student and Ashley knows more than he does when it comes to the show and the actual premise of the show, which is to teach your celebrity how to ballroom dance, not storytelling ballroom dancing. Ashley was then seen coaching Joey and instructing him exactly what needed to be done in a certain section. And Joey was being his playful, annoying type brother self and tried to snap back at Ashley, cut to Ashley interrupting him and said, stop, let me talk. Yes, girl, get that fire back. You deserve it. So then their package cuts to Ashley walking to position to most likely try the specific step again to where Joey followed her and said, give me another move and I'll be able to keep it up. And then Ashley right away snapped back at Joey on camera and said, wait, what? What did you just say? Cut to Joey in his interview saying, I think what I need to do to make it to the finals is to keep my mouth shut as much as possible. Can I get an amen? Just saying. This is the most intelligent thing I think that ever came out of Joey's mouth that season. And yes, that is what you should have done and should and might be too late to do, meaning I don't believe that they're making the finals, but who knows? FYI, Joey, this is how it's done, my man. Just in case you ever get asked to do an all-star season. Hopefully I don't come out of retirement. <laughs> Just saying. Cut to Ashley being a taskmaster. And you see and you see and hear Ashley say, you know, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Cut to Joey saying throughout the season, you know, I've thrown ideas out here and there and we've collaborated a lot. But right now I am out of my league, you know? Yes, you've always been, my friend. Hate to break it to you. Love you, Joey. Ashley basically just let it slide, though, you know, the last couple of weeks. But hopefully we will see if they make the finals or not. I mean, I think it's too late, to be quite honest. I think this should have happened a week ago. They shouldn't have done two full weeks back to back of role reversal. That's just too long, especially with only a six week training or six week competition. Um, I feel like the damage was done and uh, it's kind of hard to pick up the pieces from there. But anyways, it cuts to Joey saying, I just have to listen to Ashley. I mean, she's the professional. She's the boss. And then he continued and said, whatever she says goes. Yep. Welcome to Dancing with the Stars. Though it's the semifinals, I would have assumed that would have been known from the moment that Joey signed the contract. Oh, well, to each their own. Then it cuts to them rehearsing the Paso Doble. And what's so funny about this dance is that, you know, first of all, you hear Ashley say, I just really love this dance. This is my dance. I'm really passionate about it, which probably came, you know, from Joey for the first time experiencing Ashley's intense training style. But what really happens, you guys, during training specifically, when we, like us pro dancers, train our celebrities, the Paso Doble, you know, it's, we just get really into it. Like we already are in the character of the dance that we come across like we're angry teachers or like mean teachers or frustrated teachers to our partners. But we're just already... Like I said, getting into the character of the dance. And with the pasta doble, this is the one thing that you do have to rehearse. So I, as you know, I hate when people rehearse facial expressions. It's my pet peeve. But in the pasta doble, 
you got it to already like really marinate in the character of the dance. You know, it's so important from the moment you learn it. So in order for that to happen, as teachers, our voices are definitely louder. You know, as pro dancers, we stomp more, we show more aggression as soon as we start to teach it from day one. But that's because we're trying to fire our students up a little bit. And this all happens unconsciously, but it happens with all of us, I've noticed. that You just create more passion and aggression. And the way you, your words come out are just so aggressive. Anyway, cut to Joey, ending the package saying, when the bell rings, you got to come out and fight. And then the two high five. And yeah, you know, I think that this really made Joey respect Ashley again. I, although in my last two recaps of the last two weeks, I said that it's really hard to come back from a partnership that has crossed boundaries. As I saw Joey lose respect for Ashley to be completely transparent, but I might take that back because honestly, I do believe that Ashley's harsh approach because it, you know, you don't have a lot of time. So you got to either state your point or just, go home. And she just held her ground. There was no crossing into the line with her anymore. And I'm sure in order for her to have gotten there mentally, she must have had a few meltdowns. She must have talked to her family who support her. You know, her her and her family have a dance studio in Utah. I'm sure that she, you know, got a mouthful from anyone and everyone in her life. And there were message boards back then. So I hope she didn't read those because I'm sure, you know, look, they weren't very kind to me. Let's just end there. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable and with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. 
But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Now let's move on to Joey and Ashley's Foxtrot. What a great song. They danced to Hey Big Spender. Wow, I really can't sing for their Foxtrot. And I always love dancing to that song. I, I think I did it on tour. Um, it was one of the very first Dancing with the Stars tours I did. And Drew Lachey joined us. There was a few male pro dancers and one of them. And I think I have a picture of it and maybe I should post it was of Derek Huff when he was basically like a troop dancer for, for us when he had just joined the cast. Wow. What a trip, right? The reason this song is amazing for me is because of all of the fun accents that, you know, Joey and Ashley definitely hit choreographically, which Ashley did a fabulous job of, may I add. She had that same fire that I just remembered when we used to compete against one another back in our competitive days. And that same fire she had week one of the competition. As far as Joey's frame goes, though, from the chest down, he was solid, actually. He got his heel leads in. He even stuck his bum underneath himself and his actual overall footwork was pretty impressive. However, from the chest up, he looked like he was 85 years old. Not saying there's anything wrong with that, but he looked like an old man because he had a noticeable hump in his upper back of his of his back, which is because of him breaking his neckline due to his focus and head position looking upwards towards the sky to the ceiling instead of looking the direction he was going in. I always say to my partners, yes, is the man's head veered to the left? Yes, but always look the direction you are going. Like if you're walking backwards, you wouldn't you would look behind you. You wouldn't look in front of you. If you're walking front, you wouldn't look behind you. You get it? Anyway, that's what you do when you dance, especially partner dance. You just look where you're going. Once that happens, as far as like your head position goes, you are breaking the line. So you're breaking the line, meaning you're breaking your posture. And instead of your spine being straight, it's at a bend or a curve, which causes you to look like you have a hump in the back. I always tell my partners to imagine their spine going all the way to the top of their heads and to envision someone pulling the top of your head as if they were being pulled upwards <laughs> by their hair. I can see the judges saying something about this, but wow, what a difference. I mean, don't get me wrong, as there were definitely moments of greatness when it comes to the actual content of their foxtrot and the execution of parts of their technique when they demonstrated basic movement, such as steps called the feather step, feather finish, etc. But funny enough, without thinking about it too much during their rehearsal, this routine definitely told a story than than any other routine that they danced to. I have to say that I loved seeing Ashley's fire and I'm so happy she was able to showcase herself and the brilliant dancer and teacher that she was, even if they get eliminated. I just wish for her sake and for the both of their sakes that this never happened as far as, you know, the tables turning because it never is a good look and it never gets you to the finals. That's for sure. I give Joey and Ashley an eight. Judges comments. Carrie Ann said, you've been consistently good throughout this performance. Every week, you've been giving us solid and good performances. We've been waiting for you to kind of break out. To me, I think tonight you broke out. Bruno said, I totally disagree. 
This was guys and dolls. This was not a foxtrot. What? A foxtrot is Fred Astaire. Grace. It, it has grace. It has elegance. But I appreciate the performance. You did a great performance, but you have to do a foxtrot. The foxtrot has some rules and you broke the rules a little bit. Can I just add I love Bruno when he's like this, but only when it makes sense. As there's not as many rules in the American smooth style foxtrot. But again, throwing him a bone. It was season one. Clearly, though, that came from Len, that comment. Because <laughs> how would he have known back in 2005 what the rules were in foxtrot when he didn't even come from the ballroom genre? Just wondering. Anyway, good on Ashley, though. She totally put Bruno in his place. Like This is what I miss. I miss this. I wish, I wish the pros would talk back because... We invest so many hours and so much of our time trying to choreograph enough content, the balance of content versus entertainment. And when someone is just like a judge, because there's only three of them, when a judge is like not praising you for that, but yet picks on you for doing something that is also not against the rules. Like if this happened in a quick step and they broke hold, then yes, absolutely. But make sure it all makes sense. Check on it. Google it. I don't even know if we had Google back then, but who knows? Anyway, look, Ashley basically put her foot down and talked back to Bruno right after his comment. And they had still not gotten to Len's comment yet. So she said, listen, she said, this is open foxtrot. This is an American smooth open foxtrot. This is not an international standard foxtrot to where there was a close up of her face, basically, while she was talking back at Bruno and then you saw Joey's hands go on her shoulders meaning to calm down a little bit I would assume and the audience just started cheering like crazy for Ashley because Bruno couldn't even respond to that as he probably had no idea what she meant by saying what she had said I actually love the fact that the pros felt comfortable enough you know like Ugh, I wish this would happen. I think it only makes for good TV, but it's the truth. You know, facts are facts, especially when you're talking about a specific style of genre that most of us are experts in. As you guys know, the only two dances you can't break hold in is the tango, not Argentine tango and the quick step. That would have made more sense if Bruno said it then. But hey, it is what it is. Len Goodman, the foxtrot. This is now Len Goodman's comments to Ashley and Joey after witnessing their foxtrot. He goes, the foxtrot is a suave and sophisticated dance and this was percolated with poor footwork. What? I thought it was too much open choreography. I admire your pluck because the celebrity men have got it up against it because the professional men have got the hold and they just do it. So for that aspect, I thought it was great. And as an entertaining number, it was great. But there wasn't enough foxtrot. Okay. Judges scored 866, 20 out of 34. Joey McIntyre and Ashley Del Grosso. Lisa Canning said that during the commercial break, Ashley had her hands on her hips and looked very disappointed and that she was scared to ask, but how did she feel about the number that they just performed? And Ashley said, I'm disappointed. I thought we did the best we could. You know, I played with the music and that's what the music asked. Absolutely, Ashley. Joey went on to say, you can check out that feather step that we did, Len. And yes, I have to agree with Joey. There was a feather step. So don't say that you wanted more Foxtrot when there was Foxtrot. I love that, you know, again, the pros were not ignored in the red room and the question went to the pro dancer because it's what made sense. And sometimes even if it made, even if it makes sense in most recent seasons, the question is never asked to the pro dancer, which is shocking. It's always asked to the celebrity. And I understand it is Dancing with the Stars, but sometimes it makes sense to ask the probe, especially if something happened technically. Anyway, I feel like sometimes a celebrity like gets forced 
to be asked a question. So it's just not natural. And it kind of irks me that, you know, the pros have been like more than normal, like ignored, especially this last season. I don't know. I think that they, they too have opinions. You know, we are part of this partnership. The celebrity cannot dance without their pro partner. Anyway, enough about that. Moving on to round number two of the competition. We're about to get hot and spicy here. The Pasa Doble. First up and currently in first place on the leaderboard, as Tom Bergeron reminded everybody, John O'Hurley and Charlotta Jorgensen dancing a Pasa Doble. Okay, so what I love most about the fact that they were the first ever couple to dance a Pasa Doble is the music, the song that they danced to. They danced to a very traditional song, which is always played, or a version of it at least, always played during competitions, which is called España Cani, which has highlights, it has accents that are needed. So... Whenever I see a pasta doble dance to Britney Spears, though I've gotten used to it, it still doesn't capture the actual essence and authenticity of what this dance is about, as this dance is about a bullfighter in a ring. And when you see bullfighters in a ring, they definitely don't fight the bull with a Britney Spears song in the background, right? Playing in the arena. But with that being said, as far as their execution of pasta doble goes, look again, this is not one of Charlotte's strengths. If you have a pro who doesn't do well in one dance or one dance style, versus another it's very hard to do well in this competition in general and now I understand the challenge that Dina Katz and the executives have to hire pro dancers who can teach dance both ballroom and Latin styles and it's probably very limited hence why the show has kind of I believe veered away from the ballroom genre in general because it's very rare though I have to say (laughs) I'm not trying to pack, pat myself on the back here, but the pros that were able to do both were the pros that they had hired back um, back in like season two up until like season 12, I have to say. But we all get older and we all get wiser. So uh, I don't even think that could happen now. But hey, who knows? To be honest, there's not a lot of choices as far as potential pros go that could do both styles, hence why I think the rules have softened up and why it's no longer a traditional authentic ballroom show. But with that being said, because John and Charlotta were coming off of a foxtrot that was so strong and that was one of the best foxtrots, in my opinion, to this day that I've ever seen perform on the show as far as a celebrity and pro dancer goes, this was really weak. The pasta doble for me was really weak. Again, it was all up like in his face. The choreography was all in his face again, meaning he got the character of the dance within his face. But unfortunately, that's not what we're trying to do here. John definitely had some stumbles and missteps. There's a basic move in the pasta doble called the chasse capes. He missed the timing to those, let alone the footwork needed. The transitions were fragmented similarly to what I said about Alec and how he choreographed Kelly's Foxtrot due to the expertise of each individual pro, right? Um, I, I've said this so many different times, and it's just, it, that's exactly what it is. As far as John and Charlotta goes, you know, it was just a weird mix of steps. I feel like, you know, you have to balance basically the time you spend when you are given two dances, you got to balance the two dances, meaning within the time frame that is given, which is a few days, you got to spend more time on the dance that you don't feel good in or that you may not feel confident in. And that goes for the pro to make that decision. You got to make that decision for yourself. Um, and also get help if you need to. I did. That's for sure. Now, as far as... um you know, the ending of their pasta doble, it was just really weird. It looked like a mistake. She looked like she slid and didn't stop her momentum 
sharp enough. She also didn't back lead John when they were in shadow position and it wasn't aggressive enough. Like, I'm just not so sure, you know, I don't know. I thought they, I thought the two of them together are definitely the opposite of aggressive in general. You know, Charlotte is very elegant and graceful, basically, you know, what Kelly needed. Um, but Kelly's not a professional. So to compare the two wouldn't be fair, but you can only fake it so much. And I've always said when it comes to ballroom dancing, there's no such thing as faking it until you make it. The devil's in the details. And if you can't teach that because you may not be educated on a certain style, you're not going to win the competition. But in this case, there was nothing to compare it to. So they did a solid job because they were, they were the very first couple ever on Dancing with the Stars to do a pasta doble. I thought their wardrobe and the way that John used Charlotte's skirt as a cape was impressive. It was what I call a flawless transition. However, I hate when people throw away props right away. I was hoping he was going to use the cape from that point on until the end, but he barely got it to spin around once around his body, which caused lack of sh- which caused him to not shape at all basically throughout the whole routine. Even though I'm pretty sure he would have done like a full circle with that cape, he like three to four, I'm pretty sure he did half and then threw it away. I think some something may have happened, which I didn't see. Um, maybe it wasn't shot. But anyway, the point is that that part alone was was pretty much a flawless transition of that wardrobe, which isn't easy to do, but they got that down. However, the challenge is to do a pasta doble and it's considered a passionate and fiery dance controlled by the man and it lacked not only did it lack that but it lacked shaping i didn't see one shape it lacked technique it was too high up meaning his weight wasn't towards the balls of his feet where both the women the woman and the man should be his, their pelvis should be up towards the sky that wasn't stable or grounded it looked like they both were just two amateurs dancing together and i mean that with all due respect but it did not capture for me the heart and soul of what makes this dance specific dance the pasta doble so amazing in all honesty the music saved them if anything i give john and charlotta an eight witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. 
kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. <laughs> The judges said to John and Charlotta, Bruno started and said, um, you must be a fantastic teacher. Your performances and your routines always tell a story. I love being told the story. There's always a relationship between the two of you that works wonderfully. Well done. Is he blind or is he blind? Len said, well, in the Paso Doble, you're looking for technique, routine, and performance. And your technique was pretty good. Charlotta, you produced a beautiful routine. And as always, your performance is great. You really get into the character. Carrie said, you always showcase sophistication and dynamics to your routine. It's always so engaging to watch. Once again, I think you guys are the couple to beat. Okay, I'm not so sure what the judges were looking at. Honestly, this is where things get so frustrating for me. And I'm sure it was frustrating for the pro dancers watching this happen in front of their eyes in the red room. Um, you know, they were never called out for any mistakes, even though it was blatantly obvious. <laughs> I mean, they were almost fell and they only received praise. I just, I can understand the praise part of it, but don't get me wrong. I don't think that they deserve not to get praise, but they definitely deserve to be called out as it was pretty freaking obvious that he did not execute a technically sound performance. There were so many missteps and it was quite obvious to the naked eye whether or not you had dance experience or not. So for those of you rewatching, comment on our Instagram page at sex, lies, and spray tans and let me know your thoughts because I can tell you this much. Coming from the ballroom world, you know, and looking at and have studied, you know, my exams and knowing the technique books, especially in the Latin genre, when it comes to specifically the pasta doble alone, it is not correct what John had executed, okay? Yet still, out of all the judges, I would think Len would have said something, but he didn't. And so, this is where I start to smell something fishy. The judges scored John and Charlotta for their second round, the Paso Doble, a 9-9-9. Wow, overscored. The judges gave them a total score of 27 out of 30, which gave John and Charlotta a total of 54 out of 60. Tom points out that it looks like it's going to be a fight into second place with the two couples coming up as there's no way in hell anyone's going to be able to beat John and Charlotta. Their total score and overall score of the night was a 54 out of 60. Even if these people were given 10s, there's no way that they would beat John and Charlotta, I think, especially with the 
the accumulative score. Um, anyway, we shall see though when uh, let's rewatch Kelly and Alex Pasadoble now. Couple number two, Kelly and Alec. Okay, so their song for this dance wasn't particularly a pasa doble. It was more of a samba. Hence why they did a lot of samba in their pasa doble, which was kind of odd. And the reason why I say there was a lot of samba steps is because they were like shimmying and shaking their shoulders. And that's what the music, you know, in their defense called for. But this is where it's a double-edged sword here because we are given our music specifically, you know, from the producers and I'm pretty sure back then they weren't able to choose or even like fight them on what they were dancing to. Meaning like you could still say, no, I want a different song. But probably back then that wasn't allowed, I would say, or they were all still trying to figure it out. No idea. I wasn't there. But to me, with that song, choreographically, Alec actually did a fine job because that's what the music called, right? You, they called for like a samba bounce. It was odd. But as far as the essence of the dance goes and the challenge of the week, it was mismatched steps, meaning Kelly looked gorgeous. But at the end of the day, there was more samba recognizable steps than actual pasadoble technical figures, you know, that you would see in the technique book. They definitely exuded man and woman, lead and follow, and captured that essence of the dance and the character. But as far as what I was hoping for, it didn't exceed my expectations only because I think the music that was given to them, you know, wasn't right. It, it was a bad call on the producer's fault for sure. Look, Kelly has improved as a dancer so much and she had great shapes still, even without a Pasa Doble song. She had great lines. She is the definition of what the competition is about. You know, she is someone with zero dance experience who has come on this show. I would have loved to see more flamenco sections, maybe side by side, symmetrical flamenco dancing and shaping when it comes to just arms overall between the elbow and the ribcage. But I think she did a great job and I thought they both executed a solid performance considering what was given to them as far as music goes. Out of all of the couples, you know, to me, they have the best chemistry and they have the best story and journey of what Dancing with the Stars is all about after all, right? I give Alec and Kelly a nine as it was far better in my eyes still than John and Charlotte's Pasa Doble, but still not worth a perfect 10 for sure. All right, judges' comments. Len said, Pasa Doble is the one that the male should dominate, which you did, Alec, of course. And I was worried, Kelly, you wouldn't be able to keep up with him, but you did. The only criticism is sometimes you should lift your rib cage and stretch and stretch it. But it was a great, great performance. Carrie Ann said, you've come so far. Your lines are great. Now everything I look at, I mean, sometimes it's still a little bent in your legs. You still have a little bend in your legs a little bit, but you've come so far and I'm so impressed. Bruno said, you've come such a long way. It was sexy. It was sultry. It was a great performance. The judges gave Kelly and Alec for their Pasa Doble a 988, which gave them a total of 25 out of 30. Lisa said to them in the red room after their scores and asked, you know, you came back with the Pasa Doble. Now they're just three couples. As you can tell, the room is empty, you know. There's only two spots in next week's grand finale. Did you guys think you were going to make it this far? And Kelly said, I'll let Alec take this one and said, never. That was his response. And then Kelly went on to say how hard work pays off, determined she was determined to do this. And if you put your mind to something, you can just go ahead and do it. I think what bothers me most about this whole red room thing is I guess the producers just never told the dancers and celebrities to cheer for the other couples, even if they don't feel like it. Because in the background, all I see is is like Charlotta fidgeting with her skirt. You see John O'Hurley refuses to smile. And it just didn't really show great camaraderie, which I don't believe they um, had, to be quite honest, obviously. Um, 
my but as you know my personal time with kelly as friends i remember her saying how everyone was out to fight and win this mirror ball trophy back in her day but my oh my how things have changed regardless of if it's genuine or not I think it's like, I think this whole like cheering for people and having camaraderie probably started back in season two. Um, but I don't know what I'd rather have someone fake it and pretend to be happy for me and my partner or uh, have everyone just be their authentic selves, whatever that may look like. But it does help for sure when you feel like you have people in your corner, whether or not they are, it's irrelevant, I guess. Kelly and Alec have a total overall score of 47 out of 60. Last couple of the night with the last pasta doble of the semifinals was Joey McIntyre and Ashley Del Grosso. I have to say, I am super impressed with these two as they showcased, I believe, the best pasta doble of the night, but still didn't deserve a perfect 10 in my eyes because of how, you know, steppy and stompy Joey executed this dance. Stompy, but not in a good way. Um, I, may I add, pasta doble, like stock walks, which are basically, what is pasta doble? It's basically it's marching, right? You're marching, walking. That is to be executed by using the heel of your foot with your back foot and or toe dragging behind you, which Joey lacked along with his pelvis pointing upwards towards the sky. With all of that being said, though, if anyone showcased content, holy hell, it was this couple by far as they did everything in the technique book at the open gold level syllabus from executing the correct technique when it comes to chasse capes to coup de peaks, twist turns to impressive pivots that stayed on time and consistently pivoting and shaping throughout. First of all, there was a glitch let me add as it went from introducing Joey and Ashley to their very first few counts of their dancing you know that intro to their pasta doble when you hear that VO and they start dancing and then it cuts randomly to Kelly and Alec watching them from the red room but you know innocent mistake on the show's part obviously all in all, this was Joey and Ashley's best dance by far of the season. So if they don't make the final two, at least they end on a high note. And Ashley can walk out of that ballroom with her head held up high, knowing she did the best she could, right? I mean, definitely did the best she could with what was given, at least. Ashley has danced her whole life, you know, since she was a little girl. And the last thing you want to do is to be eliminated feeling low and questioning your your own ability and skill that you've studied, you know, your whole life for if this was their last dance i have to say she nailed it as far as like confidence goes moving forward she doesn't ever have to question her ability again i know she's no longer a part of the show but if she ever comes back because she was always brilliant in my eyes and back when we competed against one another in the under 21 youth division in the latin american category ashley and her partner john gulledge placed top six in the united states you guys and she's a damn good teacher so hopefully she knows that shout out to you ashley i love you i miss you hope you're well come on the podcast will you you know basically let's see what happens now with the elimination but before that i'd like to give my score for joey and ashley's pasta doble which is a nine now let's move on to judges comments starts out with Carrie Ann. I saw the eye of the tiger and I saw your determination. You want to win this thing and this was your best performance. Every line was finished completely. It was your best performance ever. Keep it up. Bruno said, well, this was a convincing performance. You were all there. Great Spanish line. You were a great matador and you maintained it all the way through. Len said you had passion, aggression, and control. I was writing down basic steps because I thought you'd do none. You did the separation of twist turns. So many basic steps. Well done. Now, listen to this. The judges scored them, after those comments, scored Ashley and Joey a 9-8-8, eight, eight, 
What the hell? It gave them a total of 25 out of 30. These judges are obviously not assessing this right or something is happening behind the scenes that none of us know about because to say what they said, right, with not not one, you guys, not one criticism and to give them 988, nine is fine. Eight? Come on. What a disappointment to witness. Even if this footage is from almost 20 years ago, this type of stuff still happens today on the show. I'm sure Joey and Ashley were beyond upset, confused, frustrated as well after receiving the comments and this and that, that score specifically. I mean, match your comments with your scores, people, or vice versa. This is so frustrating and it still happens, as I said. Ugh, I get so angry because it just, I know how everyone, how hard everyone works. It's so sad. Anyways, I don't even want to translate what I really want to say, huh. but it's just frustrating. Joey and Ashley, basically that leaves them with an overall score of 45 out of 60. Okay, so let's go back to the leaderboard here. In first place, combining both dances, the Foxtrot and Paso Doble, that left John and Charlotta at first place at a 54 out of 60. Second place was Kelly and Alec, 47 out of 60. And then in last place, third place was Joey McIntyre and Ashley Del Grosso at 45 out of 60. So let's move on to the elimination. We've got the first couple who was saved, which was John and Charlotta. That left Kelly and Alec and Joey and Ashley at the bottom two couples. So the couple who fell short of making the grand finale of season one and who got sent home and eliminated was Joey McIntyre and Ashley Del Grosso. Sad. Anyway, notice that we are already way more than halfway through the competition of season one. We still have um, the finale coming up next week on Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. And what I'm really excited about, I must admit, is doing all of this, but starting season two, because that's when I started. And I feel like I can actually spill the tea. Just kidding. I hate that word. Can we find another one? I just hate, give me the tea. Like, what? give me the coffee. Why is it tea? Why not coffee? Just wondering. Anyway. I'm going to give it to y'all, both coffee and tea next week. Stay tuned. And don't forget to also rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and now TikTok on at Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans. Comment, do it all for this podcast so it can continue to stay strong, okay? Anyway, thank you guys so much for all your love and support. We've got a very eventful month ahead. First, we've got Edita Slavinska. You know, the OG, the real OG. We've got a few other guests coming up. We've got Shangela booked. And we've got, who else am I missing? Vinny. Vinny. My man Vinny from the Jersey Shore. Stay tuned for more Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans anywhere you listen to podcasts. Love ya. Make sure you guys follow us at Sex, Lies, and Spray Tans on our Instagram handle. And make sure you comment. Let me know who you want me to interview. What do you all think? Let me know. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com.